Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everybody. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, as the case may be. This is Dr. Carol Francis, and welcome to Make Life Happen. And today we're going to make life happen on the planes of being able to heal your soul, deal with past horrible events that have happened in your life, and spring out of those into something that is full of life. And how are we going to do that? What are the formulas that are going to be available to you? Well, I've had the wonderful fortune of knowing Belinda Farrell. And Belinda Farrell has just released another of her books called Find Your Friggin' Joy. Hello, Belinda. How are you this day? Oh, thank you, Carol. Hello and good morning. I'm fabulous and I'm so happy to be here. Okay, wonderful. Now, I want to just (laughs) dive right into your book because I find your book is all about the formula of success. And while while we will... Move into your history and why you are definitely the person to go to in terms of helping people find joy no matter what their life circumstances are. Can you begin to walk us down the dynamic path of successful living, joyful living, and what the steps would be? I want to just let the readers just immediately, the listeners just immediately jump into this knowing that they are about to embark on a journey that is full of tools that will help them move forward. What's your first most dynamic tool you think you want to offer your your, your readers? Well, first of all, uh, people have to want to find that joy. And it's not just a word. It's not just a temporary fix. It's a feeling that is inside regardless of whether or not you get a new car or you get a new dress or you win a championship basketball game, whatever it is, you know, those things kind of die down quickly. But the real feeling of joy comes from feeling free on the inside. And so that's why this is an inner journey of clearing out the old um, cobwebs of the past, the old ways and stories that we used to tell ourselves, you know, our woes and our angst. And we come into a different story. We empower ourselves and we say, you know, I'm different today. I don't need to believe in those those stories anymore that drag me down to the depths of despair. So I'm I'm unplugging from that. And this is based on ancient Hawaiian wisdom where you dissolve the way you're looking at something and then the unconscious mind brings it up, puts closure on it, and then you're suddenly free to put something else in there that's more empowering. We are often deluded by the belief that what has gone on in our lives has to be what defines us as opposed to what has gone on in our lives contributes to our experiences. 
but it doesn't need to be the definition of who we are. So you're offering the suggestion that the definition of who we are can be truly that which you most want for yourself on the healthiest level. If you want to be right. healthy, most if you want to be joyful. Want to be free. You know, they want to have peace. They want to feel that they're worthy, that they're that they're, you know, they're really their self worth is something, you know, viable. And a lot of people in the past, I would say this because I think our consciousness has shifted now with the new millennium and with 2012 behind us, that we're coming into our own, our own power, our own strength, and our own authenticity, where we're not lying anymore to ourselves, trying to please other people. We're actually, you know, we're here, we're now, we're, we're shouting from the rooftops, this is who I am, this is what's going to fulfill me, and I'm proud of it. Does that make Everybody- sense? Yes, it absolutely does. We're talking to Belinda Farrell. She has written the book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. Belinda, before we go one step farther, how can people access this book so that they can start understanding these truths? Well, it's available on my website, of course. That's hunahealing, H-U-N-A, healing.com. It's available on all, you know, Internet sources, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, Balboa Press is my publisher, so it's available through them. And booksellers everywhere. Wonderful. Okay, so now we're going to press forward. You need to now tell people why you are the right person to help guide their path. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I, you know, I don't claim to know all the answers. I just know that this is what worked for me. And you know, I, I was never aspiring to be an author. That was the farthest from my mind. I, you know, I really I produced three CDs. So I'm I'm an ancient Hawaiian chanter, and I felt that the that the ancient sounds and vibrations and tones were going to help people more than just reading words. And I, I still semi believe that. <laughs> but together, people have to come to the consciousness, the conscious mindedness of saying, you know, it's time for me to stop this shenanigans or nonsense and then really find what I'm here to do, what my soul is here to do. So I went through the typical life. You know, I had a very exciting life. I I drove race cars. I did car commercials. I was a stunt car driver for many years. Um, You know, I, I thought I was moving through all my fears, but the greatest fear I had was of water. And then finally I was sent to Hawaii surrounded by water and for my um, advanced hypnosis training, NLP. Um, you know, I was just trying to learn why people do what they do. I was trying to get rid of my fears and especially my own. But I'd sit there in a classroom and I'd be looking out at that water and it would just be giving me, uh, you know, shakes and, and fears because I had a phobia about the water. And then when I began to learn the Huna from the Hawaiians, um, I, I experienced um, the higher self coming inside of me. And that formula is in the book. And it is, has to do with ha breathing. It has to do with sending this breath, which is like a gift, up to the top of your head where the higher self lives. But it doesn't have a body, so it needs the physicalness of the breath. Even the Egyptians talked about this in their hieroglyphics. They would signify a bee, a bumblebee, for the um, 
for the for the symbol of honey, which is what you need to send to the to the higher self. And then the higher self comes down inside of you. And when it came inside of me, it was like oceans parting and all these dolphins and whales coming in. And I didn't know where the heck that was coming from because I didn't like all of that. But anyway, that night, my dreams were just infused with dolphins and whales teaching me how to swim. And I was swimming with them. And so I felt like they were calling me. And I had this yearning to be out there with them. So I had to get over the fear. And that's what started it all, is that I started to go into the ocean, and then the dolphins would come and download information into me, and I was changed forever. I started taking people out, doing seminars. The ocean became something that I embraced rather than something that I was afraid of. And and that also is in the book on how you melt away the fear, the illusion, because it is just an illusion. Your mind created it during a time when you were the most fearful. And so I just embarked on this journey of um, the dolphins and the water and swimming. And um, But my back had collapsed. Um, I had herniated discs. I was told I wasn't going to walk again. And so I had learned the huna, and I wanted to see if it really, really worked. And, of course, it did. The higher self came in. That's what changes your body, your DNA. And after you move all of the thought forms out of the body through the breath, through letting the memories come up, um, there's a free pipeline that goes up to the higher self where all your desires get to be moved up to. And in four days, my back healed. So I was definitely a believer. And it was like a miracle, like somebody had, you know, given me millions of dollars only, you know, dollars don't help you when your health is failing. You want to heal. And this was a way of healing my body completely, and it was it was amazing. So that's how it, it started. And then, of course, later on, more things happen, like life gives you other. My, my son had committed suicide. I lost all my money. Um, again, I tried to use, you know, the dissolving forgiveness process, but I was still in just tons of grief, and as I say in the book, that's when a friend took me to see a movie called The Living Matrix, which featured Dr. Eric Pearl, Bruce Lipton, some other visionaries, and I was intrigued in the same way that I was intrigued with Huna, and I got a, a you know, a, a session of reconnective healing, and in that one session, all my grief was lifted, and that again, was like another miracle because I didn't know how heavy I was I was burdened until the heaviness went away. And I was just completely back into joy again. And so I learned how to become a practitioner, and here I am today. Oh, that, is, that is an amazing story. And the details of it are in your book. However, I do have to say, Belinda, right. that your book is – I thought when I sat down with your book, which I was so eager to read, that I would be – treated to this amazing autobiographical accounting of what you've gone through and how you got through it. And it does dip into that, but not so deeply. But I think that's because I want to know more about you because we've been friends for a long time. And I know the depth of your life has been incredibly deep, the depth of your pain incredibly deep, and the depth of your healing equally deep, if not more. Um, So... What I appreciated is that if I did not know you, 
this would be the book that would say, okay, she's tapped into all of those things, but now she cares more about teaching me how to move out of those experiences. That's exactly right. And that's, you you got it. (laughs) You got it. I didn't want to delve in the pain because, Mm -hmm. again, we want to move forward. And if you keep, you know, I have a friend that, um, you know, all she talks about is her pain and her pain, and I want to get her out of that water of the emotion, you know, and let's find out what what can we do to, you know, have you see a different focus, to have you, because the more you focus on the pain, the more pain you're going to get. So it it really doesn't help to keep focusing on what already was and how painful it was. It, it's just, you know, your conscious mind has an obligation to play as a member of your team. And the conscious mind guides the unconscious, which is all about the emotions, to bring you back into some sort of balance. And so that's what I wanted to focus on, that no matter how much pain you can go through, that you can still move through that, you know, again, move out of the storm and into some, you know, healing waters. Okay. So in your book, you talk about habit formation being 21 days or 21 times mm-hmm. you repeat uh, things to yourself or that you uh, that you have the breathing. And I could go on and on with the tools. Give us right now, walk us into an actual tool that people, while they're listening, can know that this is a tool that they can do today, tomorrow. You said you did four days of certain things and then your back was healed. Can you introduce right. us to a tool right now I put you on demand, don't I, that people can use over the next four days, the next 21 days. Well, again, in the book, it'll take you through the forgiveness process of how you would see yourself up on a platform looking down below you and seeing the people that are connected to you and maybe not so energetically. So seeing your mother and father down below you, how how you are holding the image of your mother and father because they're just extensions of yourself. So you want to get a different perspective. That's what makes this work is that you're not looking at them eye to eye. You're seeing looking down from above, you're above, and down below are these small figures, very small, very tiny. And then you're breathing down on them from your higher self, just from your decision of saying, you know, I'm going to look at them in a different way. I'm going to heal myself from this story that I've been carrying around. So you just breathe down on them with a hot breath. And then you just say to yourself, you know, I love you. I forgive you through your higher self because your higher self has never faulted you for anything. It's only your ego that has said, you know, you're you're not worthy or you're, you know, you're not a good person or that's just the ego conscious mind. So again, there's no forgiveness with the higher self cuz you're perfect. This is just something an exercise you're doing with your conscious mind. So when you do that and you say I love you and I forgive you and then you just kind of shake your body and feel that this uh, cord, these cords that you had connected to you, you can either take scissors or the blades of your higher self and then just swirl that around you and shake your body and then see them or feel the, those people floating away. Right then mm-hmm. and there, you have severed the way you're looking at those particular people now that have drained your energy and you're back to the present time. 
Now, that doesn't hmm. take very long. It just takes your willingness to want to do this now. And hmm. for all of it, the conscious mind has to say it's willing to do it now because you have free will. And if you don't want to do it now, you won't. It does, you know, you can take the horse to drink, but you can't make him drink the water. So you have to want to do this. And that's the, that's the very first step. And then it will guide you through to cut the cords, to dissolve the cords with all of the people that have drained you. And even if you're, let's say you're in a litigation with someone or you're, you're doing some kind of legal thing that is, you know, that's um, really draining your energy or you've lost your job or you're not in the same relationship anymore, you have to keep putting that down there below and also yourself below, forgiving yourself every day for having those perceptions. This is a daily process. It's like brushing your teeth. And you wouldn't stop brushing your teeth because the plaque would build up in your mouth. Well, again, this is the plaque of the soul. So once you decide that, you know, you're in charge, and so these become your rituals to do daily, so that you can get back your power and bring back different perceptions, different thought patterns, and then you raise your your PG&E bill inside yourself. You don't have such a high electric bill. You're not so emotionally charged when something happens to you on the outside. There's a whole chapter on button pushers. Based on how you react to the world will be how you're reacting inside, how much of this work you've done inside yourself. Does that make sense? A, oh, absolutely. It's a beautiful uh, exercise when you feel like there's noise inside your head or in your heart. There's this sense of being lied to or feeling self-deceptive or feeling like other people are lying to you or you have this yes. junk of anger or rage or uh, or feel intimidated and victimized. And these are really powerful exercises where over and over you're you're creating a template of of dialoguing with these elements with intent of being able to let them go. I think that there are other times in your life where um, you do need to sit down and be present with your pain and with your nemesis and with all of that because some people live um, in denial of those things that are demanding attention and therefore they really can't even get in touch with their present reality much less move to their higher self. And I'm sure you've experienced times when you had to be in the presence of your pain and in the presence of those whom you lost, the presence of those who aggravated you, and be so very present that you become real with that. So that that would be a different exercise than the stage exercise. Well, it's it's not even an exercise. You just be authentic. I mean, if you're angry, you're angry. If somebody's doing something to you and it's and it's out of integrity, you're going to say it as it is. You're not going to be afraid to push it down and squash it inside of you as most people were taught to do in the past. And, I mean, we're looking at a time now where people are authentic, where we are transparent, where people can't lie anymore. Look at Lance Armstrong. Look at, I mean, some of the things out in the news. You can't get away with things anymore like you thought, you know, you could. Or or just hold it down inside. There's a, there's a payout. You know, you, you've just got to be real. When my emotions were coming up, when my back was compromised and when I was flat on my back, couldn't walk, couldn't sit, 
Um, I took a little half of a pill of uh, snake venom that was given to me by an osteopath, and I talked about that in the book. And it brought up memories that I didn't even know were there. And these memories were just um, terrifying, and I thought I was dying. And I think I mentioned one of them where there was a baby, myself, being thrown out in the universe and dodging all of these asteroids and meteors and just going about a million miles an hour. And, you know, you were just, I I felt like I was dying. And then all of a sudden the baby was picked up by these hands and given to this figure that was standing, this beautiful figure wearing a blue gown or something, and she was holding the baby so that I could see down below all this chaos that was going on, but I was safe. Finally, I was safe. And I, when I woke up from that, my bed was drenched in sweat, and I thought I had died. I thought that that was it, that I was, <laughs> I was not in this world anymore. And I was crying and shaking, but it was the memory that was being held and locked into my lower back. And as soon as that was gone and there was closure on it, I called my mother and I said, what happened in my birth? What happened that you haven't told me in my birth? And she was always denied that there was anything wrong. And then she finally admitted to me that I had been taken to three abortion clinics and that I was, I I guess, refused to get aborted. They were failed attempts. Wow. So that was a memory the fetus had of not being wanted, of being thrown out, you know, like a piece of garbage. And so unconsciously I had that memory lodged there and that little pill from the snake helped to dislodge it. But also breathing for a period of 10 minutes, I was doing the breathing as well. Because once you're bedridden, you know, what do you have to do? You know, you might as well work on this. So you, you just kind of keep that breathing going, the deep breaths to the top of the head, and then the unconscious will say, well, she's, she's serious about this. I will let her see if she can handle this one because the unconscious will hold on to the memories until you're able to get the learnings from it. It loves you so much because it's running your body now based on the blueprint that you have. But it would rather run it, you know, it would rather give me a, a deliciously healthy spine. So I had to get the learnings from that memory, which I did, and then the body just let it go. And so when she told me Go ahead. Go ahead. Please, go for it. <laughs> nope, that's all right. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna say when she told you when she when your mom told well, you? Well, when my mother finally admitted to the to the abortions, I mean, she was embarrassed. I mean, this is a a Catholic woman who I think I was her first sexual experience, and she married my father eventually. I mean, you know, she had to keep the baby, and then they were all fighting for me afterwards. But it was a, a feeling of freedom, a feeling of release, a feeling of at least I know the truth now. And the pain in my back started to go away. And then I started to see myself climbing trees. And then you start to really feel what it is that you're creating with your back. Now, I don't know how the higher self heals you. I just know that the unconscious job, the job of your unconscious mind, is to get that mem- to get the, the feeling, the emotion that you're creating, which for me was a back that could climb trees. 
and the unconscious sent that up the pipeline, which was now clear because the memories were gone. It's like Roto-Rooter had been, had been there and done its job and gone. And so it hit, it reached the higher self. The higher self brought it down into my physical body, changed the DNA, and I came out with a different spine within four days. That's just an incredible story. How how do you recommend people to? I mean, you were privileged enough to be able to find this this uh, this uh, intervention, this medication, this chemical uh, that that could be inside of you. It's I, I, under, I, do under, I do understand that. How do you recommend yeah. other other approaches to being able to go into the depths of all these unconscious or other other uh, influences on us that are the negative that need to be boldly confronted and uh, interconnected with prior to uh, releasing them? Well, again, your desire is number one, your will to say, I'm ready. And then you begin to deep breathe during the day, all day long, like every seven minutes. You take a deep breath to the top of your head, and then it's a Oh, it's a ha breath. As soon as my hand touches the wheel of my car, I'm conditioned and anchored into doing my deep conscious breathing because I swim with dolphins. And when you swim with dolphins, you watch them. They're just epitomize the breath because they come up to breathe every seven minutes. And if they don't do that, take that conscious breath because they are conscious breathers, they will die. And we, in turn, die a spiritual death if we don't take that deep breath to the top of our heads because then we'll be hyperventilating. You can, you can see people who are emotionally not there. They're, they're hyperventilators. And so they just take little short breaths from their chest, from their mouth, and they don't really connect to that very top part of their head. And it has to be conscious. So you just begin to conscious breathe all through the day. And as you're doing that, you're letting the unconscious know that, oh, well, I wonder if she can handle this today. And then maybe something will come up that you will have to take a look at. And then, again, you, you don't do a lot of alcohol and drugs to squelch it and to push it back down. So it's like a real cleansing process to let this stuff come up and you know, again, get acupuncture, do, you know, homeopathic um, remedies, things that will get at the inside and bring it out. Beautiful. You know, part of the dance that we do with other people is that other people cause us harm or they inflict certain of their issues or certain of their jealousies, envies, or aggressiveness or evil onto us. And so we are aware that other people can cause us complications. But you have kind of an axiomatic truth in your book that that we are more liberated if we take conscious control of saying to ourselves, I am responsible for this moment, yes. for this situation. And you also, though, do talk about the button pusher, pushers. Talk about this aspect of, of, of walking Well, again, your- this is one of the highest forms of taking personal responsibility. This goes back to ancient wisdom. When, when you felt, when you took responsibility, this is what the highest kahunas would do, is take responsibility for everything that happened to them in their lives, including the weather, including weather patterns. Because if you took that conscious 
responsibility, then you could uncreate it. The first thing we do when, when if I see something in somebody else, and if I were following the ancient Huna and Kahuna wisdom, I would say, well, I can only see that in them because I must have it in myself. It's a mirror image. And so even a seed of it, even a little grain of sand would be something that was locked in there from another time, from an ancient time. We don't remember what we've done, but, you know, we've been, maybe we're healers in this lifetime, but maybe in other lifetimes we were murderers. You know, we were everything. We were black. We were white. We were yellow. We were, we were men, women. We were all of these things, and we've transcended, and we've come into this soul and this time, particular time now, to heal our souls, to, to raise ourselves to higher levels. But it doesn't mean we participated in things from before. So if we like to see all of that, you know, the scandal and the revenge, we're holding that same kind of ticket inside ourselves. And it's not bad or good. It's just we accept ourselves who we are, the the yin and the yang, the bad, the good, the darkness, all of it. We accept who we are, and we embrace that. And when you do that, it's it's liberating. It's absolutely liberating. And so the first thing that I do if I have a client in front of me and they have a particular issue, I do the Ho'oponopono to make right right. I clean the part of myself that would mirror them. So I heal the part of myself that is maybe holding that same cord. And I keep doing it, even with my friends, even with people that, that I see daily or that are in my, my face or that have pushed my buttons, let's say. Um, pushing the buttons just means I want to raise this stuff up and heal it so that the next time they try to push my buttons, it just rolls off of me. It doesn't, it, it doesn't affect me. There's a, there's a quote in there. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has just crushed it. And that means that finally when, you're, when you've cleaned everything out and all there is is love inside – then a heel can crush you and the fragrance just comes out as the violet, as the love that you are. So that's all that means. You want your buttons pushed if you're conscious enough to say, well, I'm rising above this. I don't need to be so offended by this anymore. I've grown up. I've healed from this. This is no longer my story. So differentiate for us the following. Some people would say, for example, um, okay, because I'm strong, because I can forgive, because I'm rising above the antagonism of this situation or this person. Let's go for the person for a moment. Then therefore they almost uh, lay themselves down to be victimized again because oh, no. they're, they're walking in their forgiveness. They're walking in the willingness to say, oh, you're not going to push my button, but they nonetheless end up walking into the same dangers, the same circumstances because they're not protected. Tell us about that aspect of... of, Yeah, no, no, no. It doesn't make you a victim. On on the contrary, it clears up victimhood. Because a victim has a vibration or a frequency, and I was a victim all my life. I mean, I just was in fear for everything. Um, You know, I was very soft-spoken. I pleased people. I had a very meek little voice. I was raised in Catholic school. 
you know, was raised to feel guilty and had all of those preconceived things going on in me. And so I would I would attract people who would continue to victimize me again. But when you change your frequency inside, when you let people know that they can't get away with that with you, when you're when you're strong, and you call people on on their you know on their issue, you know, and and you just say no, that doesn't work for me, or no, that a, a person will not a perpetrator will not victimize someone they know they can't you know they they can't take advantage of, so. The, the healing goes on inside of you where you stand up to them, you're strong, you walk away, you tell them, you know, exactly how you're feeling, but they'll walk away too. They're not attracted to that. It's not mm-hmm. a meekness, it's a strength that comes on from within you. And, um, I mean, everything changed for me and the kind of people that I attracted too. I got expelled from Catholic school too. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that was a good I know. Thing. Well, finally, I couldn't take it anymore either. I mean, I just wanted to get out of the cage. I felt like I was in a cage. And, you know, there were things that were just, it just didn't make sense to me. So, I mean, I got expelled because I walked home from school with a boy. <laughs> I mean, really, oh, is, is, is that just unforgivable? <laughs> oh my I mean, you have to think about some of the laws that we have, you know, that that guide certain religions, and you know, you just, um, you know, that's many, many years ago. But really, things seem silly now, and that's why you want to bring a lot of these memories that you've gotten lodged into your body, that people have lodged in their body, and realize that when. When you made the decision to hold on to them, when it anchored you, you were maybe five years old or ten years old or two years old. And so now you're looking at it from a different perspective. And that's why it's so interesting that when you, when you raise them up and you look down on them, you say, well, why am I holding on to this thing? I remember I had a, a client once, and he had this just unbelievable anger all the time, and he was just tired of his anger. And, uh, you know, I was doing past life regression at the time, and I I put him in the chair, and we went back to a time when he was just about three or four years old. And the the chickens had a bunch of little chicks, and his brother had him take all these little chicks up to the top of the barn, and his brother was throwing them down below, killing them, and told him to do the same. And so he was doing what his brother told him, but it just angered him that he would follow that because it really hurt him to kill these little baby chicks. And he saw those little chicks in, you know, when we did the past life work, and he thought, oh, my gosh, that's where my anger came from. So he forgave himself, and he healed the chicks, and he healed himself, and he was just a different person. His whole body relaxed, everything relaxed. He had been holding on to that memory as the three-year-old. And, again, you know, it. He got a different perspective from it. Oh, beautiful. You know, I'd like to, at this point in time, kind of tie what you're saying down to some Huna truth, because I think that we're really not that familiar. When you talk in your book about um, missionaries coming to Hawaii and that the 
But the, but the natives said, you know, these are individuals that don't breathe. They're without breath, so therefore we're not going to share our our spiritual truths with them. And the missionaries, of course, are being oppressive and they're dominating. And I think that we have to realize in our lives there are dogmas, whether it's religious or, or, or our brothers that are teaching us to kill chicks or uh, someone who says you're supposed to be my victim or I'm to be your oppressor. You know, whatever, quote-unquote, religion, and I mean that in the broadest of metaphoric sense, yes. that we can be deceived by what we perceive are the tr- elements of truth that are to guide our life, the memes, as it's being called these days. And it reminds me that when you said the American Religious Freedoms Act in 1979 finally freed the Native American Indians, the Huna, to speak their truths and to live their rituals and to to breathe life back in them again when they were oppressed by the, the federal government themselves all over the United States. So now walk us into, as English-speaking individuals, walk us into understanding more about Huna truth, Huna secrets, uh, Huna rituals that are, are pertinent to free us up from the clutches and the short-sightedness of our, our different belief systems. Well, they had very simple truths. And you'll find that the higher you go up on the on the scale, the, the truths become simple because that truth is simple. The the more you give it elaborate and, you know, complicated ways, it, it becomes more basic in the third dimension world. So the the Hawaiians just didn't have any at that time didn't have the mental illness because they were practicing the forgiveness process, they did it at night. They would cut their cords. They would make things right with their family as sunset would go down. And the EO, it's, it's a sound. It's E-O. That was a sacred sound for creation. So all problems would be sent back to this EO. We call it the Akashic or the Void. It's the the purple-black space of time. But when the the missionaries came through, they thought, you know, they're not even breathing and they're telling us about God. So how would they even know about the EO, about sending things back to creation? Their consciousness just wasn't there. It wasn't, it's not their fault. It just wasn't developed. So they hid the meaning of some of their secrets and they made a surface meaning. So the EO sound became the name of a hawk. A hawk could fly up above. It could it could also stand for something that was above, but it wasn't the sacred word of the EO because they didn't want it desecrated. So that's why these secrets were kept hidden until our consciousness as a society could change and accept them. So when the you know the religions from the east the practices with the Dalai Lama with just eastern religions started coming over and we started practicing these eastern religions um the the kapu or the prohibition of some of these secrets were lifted that's why i could then do my cd chant and forgiveness and release the chants because it was time it was time people would understand that they could get deeper healing if they could go back and and unleash these ancient truths. Do you understand? Oh, absolutely. There's so much more to understand about this, but I think at this moment, how about if you take us through a chant, uh, tell us the purpose of it, and let us all resonate with it as we 
are able to close your eyes and take the, the vibration, the energy of your chant through. But introduce the purpose of this type of chant that you're about to do. Well, again, these are the ancient Hawaiian chants, and I and I mention um, or write one of them down in the book because it's one of the most powerful chants that I have ever encountered myself. I have used it when I felt in danger. I have used it um, just whenever I've felt like I needed extra protection, and that's what the chant embraces. It it asks for at a deep, deep level that your sleeping cells understand that meaning, to to put a protection on, to lift you out of darkness, any kind of darkness, and we become peaceful, like spiritual food. We we flow over um, the breath, and we just bathe in the rain of light, and that's what this chant does. English is too young of a language. So that's why some of our prayers don't have the same meaning or the same power. So I'll do that chant, and it's in the book. It's on page 103, and it's the uh, chant, the Kane. Ha-ha-na, kino malui kalani maluiho. Heo ulu mahi ana ho kanehi ko na kahu. more of your chance by accessing how. I know you have one on YouTube under Melinda Farrell. But how else can they access these? Well, if they go to my website, um, The Huna Healing, I have an MP3 there for all three of the chants. There's Sleepy Time, the one that helps you to go to sleep. It's the dream chant. Um, then there's Enchantment, which has all the chants from the EO, from creation, all the way to a higher self-connection. And that one has the 10-minute ha breathing that brings down the higher self. And it also has a booklet in there and the sounds of dolphins and whales. I keep that one in my car. I, I play that all the time. Oh, and then nice. it has chant, yeah, chant and forgiveness, which takes you through the the cord cutting. And it also has the chants there. And it's um, hunahealing.com. Uh, and so the CDs are there and the MP3. And then, of course, iTunes has it. Beautiful. So hunahealing.com. You make right. a lot of references in your book to Max Freedom Long's books. Right. Um, he was the one who, he was a teacher that arrived in Hawaii in 1917, and none of these teachings were written down. The Hawaiians didn't bother with that, with the written word. They just practiced it. Their lives were beautiful. And so he was just there to be a teacher, and he thought he was going to stay a short time, but he kept seeing these miracles that the kahunas were working with the people, and he started writing things down. He stayed there for 40 years. So he was the first one who wrote down what he saw, the miracles in action. And 
he was, you know, again, the teachings that I got were from Max Freedom Long, Secret Science Behind Miracles, What Jesus Taught in Secret. Um, that is the recipe that I used when I was healing my back, and I believed it and followed it, and it worked. That is amazingly powerful. One of the things you say on page 97 in the chapter called Clearing Entities in Deep Possession, which is a very interesting topic in and of itself, but you mentioned mm-hmm. he talks about uh, the spirits that can draw life, mana, from the living and are called eating companions. And to remove them, yeah. kahuna would accumulate a lot of mana through breathing and chanting to reach the higher self of the patient and then give a hypnotic suggestion that would dislodge the unwanted spirit, sending it into light. That's a quote from your 97. Walk us through that type of exercise. Well, again, you know that sometimes when you when a patient would come in, a client would come in, and they just felt possessed with something. And so it's an internal thing that has lodged on. Again, there's no judgment of something bad or good or that um, we were never told that, you know, this was something um, that we should fear. But the chance speak to these um, eating companions And the more that I would chant, the more that it would rattle their cage, and they would dislodge, and they would float away. I I mentioned the one example of the man in the wheelchair who had, had known from, you know, about two years old that he had this thing that came to live with him and haunted him and taunted him, and then he made fun of it when he was in a in a car and said, all right, come and get me. And then he was in this horrible accident at that moment and became a quadriplegic. And he called me because he only wanted the demon to leave. That's what he called it, a demon. But it becomes that because it's a thought form that has grown continuously over the year and has over the years and it's taken on its own form so it becomes a thing but really it's just a thought form that's repeated itself over and over and over again i chanted with him uh for about an hour and then finally and i was using all kinds of different tonal patterns in my languaging first i was very forceful in the chant and commanding it to go that didn't that didn't move anything and then when i became just lighter and just more gentler the you know the entity or whatever it was just dislodged and we both saw it leaving him and i remember it was it was this tap dancing man it was he was with a a top hat and a cane and he was tap dancing his way out of him and we were just in stunned silence. I will never forget it. And he just relaxed. He was so happy. He didn't want to get out of the wheelchair. He didn't want to heal completely. He just wanted that thing to leave him. And all it took was a lot of chanting. Because you're evoking higher beings. And the higher beings are talking to the cells that, again, only understand this you know, different frequency other than English. Now, individuals who would like to become practitioners of this or be able to include this in their healing practice or um, or to learn as a student that would mm-hmm. become a practitioner, what path do you recommend or path? Well, I, again, it, it took a lot for me to, to learn the chants from the Hawaiians because they were not about to teach, you know, this howly 
you know, with what they call the white people without breath. But I wouldn't go away. You know, I knew my destiny was to learn those chants. And perhaps I had done this at, a, at an earlier time and didn't take it seriously, but this time I knew I was in there to learn them. So I just, with my passion, I I begged my teacher to teach them to me. And he finally did, reluctantly, and taught me the drumming. And again, I've been teaching Huna now for over 20 years. And, you know, some people get it and some people, you know, it's another information and then they just, you know, toss it aside and move on to something else. But those that do are, you know, they know that there's something deeper in there and they, you know, they continue to learn it. There are 36 symbols in the Huna teachings that I do teach. um, There are four different levels. Um, I teach um, Huna 1 in Hawaii, Huna 2 in Hawaii, um, or they can come to my home and we do private sessions. I'm teaching a level 2 to someone who's coming from Tokyo in February. And what is involved so, in uh, in the study or the participation of each of these levels? Well, it's it's again, you learn... You learn the words of the chant. You listen to the chant. You let the chants embody you. It's like learning a different language. The chant will own you. It will grab you. If you're meant to do this, it will grab you by just hearing it over and over and over again. Then finally it comes inside, and then you you become the chant. The chant chants you. When I do that particular chant, it's as though I'm opening a door for all the lineage of the people who chanted before me. So it's like the hundreds and thousands of people along this lineage, and it's of uh, Daddy, Daddy Bray or Taneo Sans Kumalai is that lineage, and they chant with me. So it's as though my voice changes. It comes from my heart. It doesn't come because I'm not really that great a singer, but this chant comes from the heart. So it's a different frequency. And I just, I chant because it makes me peaceful. It just keeps me completely connected to, you know, what is real, not what the artificial world around me dictates. You know what I appreciate about many of these, um, you know, schools of, of of, 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 um, oh gosh, I was going to say magic, or schools of secret, or schools of power, or schools of, it's any and all of that and at the same time it, it, that there are progressions of, of becoming more and more and more advanced or more and more in, in, in depth and more adept in all of these sorts of things and I think your book is probably an introduction what to about the level one with whispers or echoes of level two three and four Mhm. Well, it's just to let people know that anyone can do this. If you if you answer the call, you will be called to, you know, to to do the steps that you need to take that higher ground. We're all being upgraded. And and some people feel they're being smacked into submission, but it's really not about that. It's just to get that clearing done to really go inside and to see what it is that you're investing in. What What is the story you keep dragging with you that's not serving you anymore? And then just notice the people around you that you're attracting and how do you want to make that change? It all begins with you. 
And so that's what the book, I just wanted it to be a very honest, um, forthright book. I mean, I taught third grade. I guess I wanted to appeal to a third grade level, you know, with illustrations and, you know, just make it simple. It doesn't have to be hard. We're talking to Belinda Farrell, who's the author of her newest book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. And reading this is all, it is a very joyful experience. You've you've really captured the sense of being released so you can live joy regardless of your circumstances. And I know there was a, an, an additional calling that you've had of late. You made reference to it earlier on the program uh, that that has given you a, a whole another series of healing tools, I guess is what I would call it. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Oh, you mean the reconnective healing? Yes. Yes. Well, the reconnective healing embraces the dimensions of the higher self. It, you don't have to touch a client. It's hands-off healing. And so when I had that healing where I said all my grief was lifted, the the practitioner never touched me yet all of my grief was lifted. So I've been doing this now for about three years, and when I had my reconnection done, that's a two-day process, healing process, about 40 minutes each day where drawings are traced on your acupuncture points. And it sends you back to this axiotonal system that's in the universe where we were once connected, we got disconnected. And so this puts us on a much higher path with our higher self by getting this process done. Right after I had my reconnection done, and it's only done once in a lifetime, um, I had, again, as I said, I wasn't thinking I was going to write a book, and then I knew I had to write the book. So whatever it is that is your um, soul's purpose, this reconnection will give you the tools, the help, everything to have that accomplished. So all the people came that were going to be helping me with organizing the book, and I sat down, and it was effortless. I mean, two years, but it was effortless, and then the third year (laughs) trying to find a publisher. But it was because I had my reconnection done. And when I do them for others, I notice that for them, it does the same thing. It accelerates them on the path of of their soul. And it's amazing. It's just amazing. It's different from the healing in that it's a two process and it costs three hundred and thirty three dollars and it's as I said it's once in a lifetime you do this and they're drawings that incubate you. There's the seals of Solomon at the end. And it all refers back to um a chapter in the book of knowledge in the Keys of Enoch, chapter three one seven where we are rising up to a medical astronomy and where our, he- our healing is going to be taking place quicker, faster, because it's in connection with the higher self. How do you feel uh, you must interface with Western medicine and Western thinking that, that says, oh, this is hogwash, this is, this is oh, I know. Uh, a sham? <laughs> so for instance, you don't... <laughs> I know. I was married to a doctor. I was married to an orthopedic surgeon for 18 years, and he was always trying to give me pills and shoot me with drugs, and I was always trying to heal in a more gentle and natural way, yet I didn't know anything of what I was doing then. I didn't start on any healing journey till I divorced and was in my 40s. But, yes, I have a lot of respect for Western medicine. I just think everything has to be done in balance and that the body has an innate intelligence and for us not to 
be able to refer back inside ourselves and ask the body to heal ourselves in conjunction with whatever we do on the outside as well. I mean, I would go to an emergency room if I had an emergency. Of course I would. You know, every, but I, I get acupuncture every month because I believe in going to the deeper levels of our healing and our emotion and, and hearing the, you know, impulses. I just don't reach out and take something that I know will have adverse side effects. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. I'm just wondering. It'll be so interesting to see what the listeners say and what their comments are and, and so forth and so on. I, I get some interesting uh, statements off of many of the healing programs right. like, oh, this is amazingly crazy or this is amazingly powerful. And I'm You so would be surprised, with- Carol, how many <laughs> physicians have come for reconnective healing to me. So tell us about some of these experiences. Well, I, I had a medical doctor. Pardon? Yeah, right. Well, I had a medical doctor come, and um, his healing just increased after he had he had one session. Then I didn't hear from him. Then he came back for the second session, and it it was a little bit um, uh, concerning to him because his hands started blistering, you know, and and he just didn't know what that was all about. But he he is doing just deeper healing work right now. And their lives just are different. Their lives become more effortless. Um, you know, it, it just I have another doctor. I'm not going to say what kind of a doctor he is, but he's just happier. His his um, marital relations with his wife has increased in in a much more positive way, and he's changed. When you when you change on the inside, you see the world from different eyes. So things just happen different you're just happier when you're free inside and that's where the real happiness comes in it's that real joy i called it find your friggin joy because i one day i was in hawaii and my assistant she was always kind of lamenting to me about oh she forgot to do her meditation and she was just had the doldrums and i was just getting tired of her complaining and i just said we were watching this turtle down below and he was just flapping in the water and just kind of having a great old time and I said just find your friggin joy and she burst out laughing she just burst out laughing and I thought whoa that was a change of 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 heart and it just really stuck with me and then when I mentioned it to my to my assistant she said well why don't you make that the title of your book so that's how it all came about I I don't know where it came from but again <laughs> you know you get higher self connections that's how i found the sunflower it just kept coming up in my dreams and then i just took pic- a picture of a sunflower in my kitchen and that became the cover and yes by the way it's a beautiful cover of sun of sunshine sunflower that also is just surrounded by the word uh, freaking joy and it's just kind of like this funny it's just a funny moment to say freaking joy it's almost like a uh a, 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 a confrontation a self-confrontation like yeah, get with the program and then it makes right. you laugh, but then it makes you say, okay, what, was, what is this all about? You know, we think of joy as kind of a superficial experience for people uh, when we just, oh, just, you want to be happy all the time and Pollyannaish and stuff and so on. But yes. you're, when you're talking about joy, uh, this, this is an incredibly deep, it's almost like it is of the secrets themselves, and I mean the secrets of so many teachers where people yearn to find the depth of of truth and life and the meaning of life. 
the word joy is so much deeper than just happiness, but yes, it does include right. that kind of elation. Uh, how would you flesh out this word joy? Well, again, it's another word like love. It has so many different meanings for people, and it's overused. You know, it's like, you know, the English words are overused. So I put the friggin' in there to just kind of, you know, get people out of their comfort zone and maybe push some buttons to have them discover what that is. It's it's more like freedom. It's more like feeling free, setting the prisoner free and realizing that the prisoner was you. And the prisoner is the perception of that life has to be uh, hard. Yes, it has hardships. The, the, right. the prison exactly. is that we, we have to feel so bound by our efforts and stress. I think that I really want the listeners to hear one sentence that you said, which was that that these people, one of the people that you worked with, they came back with life being easier to live because they were in what what were they? They were in synchronization with themselves. They could hear their higher self. They could hear the the presence of spirit around, so they could walk coordinated with this higher realm. How how would you describe that living easier? Well, every time I would return from Hawaii, from taking people to Hawaii to swim with the dolphins, I would come back with this clarity, and it would be like a laser focus. I would I would know and I mean K-N-O-W, what was important and what I could just let go of and not fiddle around with that would take up my energy. And I would just know the truth. I remember I came back from one trip and I knew I had to move out of this a relationship that I was in. And within two weeks, I was gone and off on another odyssey. It was toxic. And I didn't realize that I was in that until I went to talk to the dolphins. And, again, you get this clarity when when you have, you know, been in a place where you can just quiet the mind and be able to say what it is that you're really feeling because that's the truth. What are you really feeling? What is your heart's desire? Um, what resonates with you? That's the truth. It's not, you know, what I do to please you, what I do to, you know, to gain accolades, it's what is really going to make me happy. And whatever that is, um, I remember there was a doctor who, who quit his practice and he started an herbal garden and an organic farm. And that was exactly what he wanted to do to fulfill his purpose here on this planet. Hmm. And that made him happy. Whatever it is, you just have to find it. You don't have to quit your job, but you have to incorporate it into the balance of your life so you feel fulfilled. I think that individuals get so caught up in um, the urgency of the moment, the urgency of the bills, the urgencies of health, right. the urgencies of a house uh, payment, property tax, taxes coming up, and, <laughs> and on and on and on. Oh, the tragedies on the radio that, or on television that are befuddling us. That to to realize that, that simultaneously there are all these other realms of existence that are beckoning, that are available, and that will elevate. So that yes, well, remember you can ahead. always turn you can always turn off the television, <laughs> and then have and and again if you can do that, I love movies. You know, I was in the entertainment business for for twenty some odd years. I still have a SAG card. I love movies. But I know they're make-believe. I know that they were created. They're an illusion. 
they're, you know, again, for our entertainment. And so if you can see these stories that you've created, again, as, as pictures, as stories, but that you decide that you're going to believe, you're going to write a different script. That you're just, you know, you're going to be the script writer in your own life. And it's time for you to write a different script and not get all caught up in what you can't do anything about. The only person you can change is you. And so you change your, per- your perceptions of the way you're looking at the world or the way you're looking at your problems. And you, you literally unplug the cord. And you, you decide you're going to lower your PG&E bill inside. And, you know, maybe, maybe some people are, you know, addicted to drama. I mean, we all, I love the drama. I mean, that is what creates conflict. And we have a yin-yang world. And, but, again, just examine yourself and see if that drama is depleting you of energy that you're in, starving your organs. Because it all comes back to you. How well do you want to be on this planet and do you want to live pain free and you know, drama free? Take the risk of so, of thinking that there's a life and uh, uh, that's way beyond your imagination that's that is incredible. Just take the risk of imagining that and then take the leap of saying, Okay, really I can be an author of that experience and uh, Belinda Farrell's book says yes. Find your freaking joy. Move beyond, uh, not dishonestly, but honestly. Belinda, we are at the end of our program, so how do you want to leave our listeners? Think about that for a moment. As I say, you can contact her through hunahealing.com. Please get find her book. Find your friggin' joy. It is a wonderful read. It is the beginning of a journey for some, the continuation of a journey for others, and definitely can release you from bonds, no matter where you are in your evolution of your spirit. All right, Belinda, how are you going to leave us today? Well, I will never leave you. How is that? (laughs) I will let my spirit follow you for the rest of your life and just the words that... um... That's a twist, isn't it? Uh, A haunting. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so we we follow one another. We're in one another's lives for for a reason, for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I take full responsibility that you've come into my life and that I have come into yours. And I just, um, my my wish is that all of you have a heart that, that is as light as a feather and that no burdens be you know, be be put on you and that you be able to release everything that doesn't serve you anymore and that you just, you know, be standing in your joyful freedom because that is what we're here for and to reach that higher part of you and know that you're a team and that, you know, anything is possible and that you've already you've already made it. Just being here in this moment brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And I wish that joy for you. Oh, listeners, just take this in. Hear the sound of her voice on the radio show. And know that when you read her book, her voice will be with you as she sings her chants. She teaches the wisdom she's accumulated from real-life experiences and great and amazing teachers that very few of us have ever even heard of, much less received teaching from. Oh, Belinda, leave us on a chant, and then we shall close. Hmm. Hey, Kanaka, Lord. 
He kanaka poko, he uia ha he alaneu. Anahamaka pahi kalani maluka honu. You've just resonated uh-huh. with the Lynn Farrell. And pick up a book, Find Your Friggin' Joy. Belinda, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Be well, everybody. Dr. Carol Francis from Make Life Happen. Join us again for our next amazing show that will inspire, instruct, and send you living life fully, completely, and wholly you. Good day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.